A public debate surrounding whether a website that discloses personal information of alleged sex offenders, uh, known as Digital Prison, uh, run by anonymous operators, that debate is intensifying after a university student was identified on the platform and recently uh, was found dead in an apparent suicide. Uh, The information was used to identify another figure, a university professor, and that also turned out to be fabricated. So following those recent controversies, uh, the first batch of its operators apparently resigned, but the administrators that took over announced last week they expressed their willingness to continue running it. And you just heard from the headlines, the uh, KCC has uh, made a decision to uh, basically not ban uh, the website uh, from connection here in South Korea, although they say they will be monitoring the situation. So uh, to help us understand this debate a little better, we're pleased to be joined from Hongik University's College of Law, Professor Choi Young. Professor Cho, good morning. Good morning. So um, a, a debate, I suppose. The uh, the platform is uh, controversial uh, ever since, of course, uh, the uh, tragic death of one of the alleged criminals. Uh, this was a uh, university student. Uh, mm-hmm. he, his uh, private information became public. He denied the allegations mm-hmm. against him. I believe them um, uh, largely centering around allegations of revenge porn, right? Mm-hmm. Of basically right. asking yes. uh, people to photograph some uh, kind of graphic images of some individual that he uh, allegedly was targeting. Would you generally agree then um, that there is a need for a system to complement the current laws punishing sex criminals? And I believe we can differ- differentiate this from, let's say, a national sex registry where if somebody moves into a thing, uh, a neighborhood, the, 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 the residents of that area have a right to know that there is a sex offender there, right? Right. So th- that's actually also come under scrutiny recently as well because of the imminent release of Cho uh, Do-sun. Yes. The, so difference between this uh, digital prison and the official uh, national sex, sex registry is obviously um, the national sex registry only registers those people who have been convicted and released um, and they are concerned that they may still pose uh, yeah, right. the danger and they, they, they yeah, worry about recidivism. So um, people going back, those offenders sort of committing similar offenses yet again once released into uh, society. Now, digital prison, um, I should just say it's not just about sex offenders and um, they also uh, disclose inf- information about uh, offenders of other crimes. So, you know, child abuse, for example, um, infanticide, uh, even just, you know, really heinous kind of violent acts um, uh, committed against defenseless people. So those kind of things. And what those these people who are running this particular site uh, is concentrating on is where people feel that justice hasn't been done in terms of punishing uh, these um, these offenders and convicted uh Uh, criminals. Um, And I have to say, you know, I actually went and visited the website as part of uh, research for this. Um, And, you know, before that, uh, before I actually actually, looked at this website myself, I was thinking, oh, this is really not good. You know, vigilante justice, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be taking law into your own hands. But when I got there and had a look at the kind of information that they were carrying, I was actually a bit surprised because it reminded me of the the things that I had forgotten about, um, but uh, about which there was so much controversy at the time, and you know all these calls to uh, change laws, um, reform practices, etc. So, just as an example, um, you may recall the Inhua School. 
controversy where these uh, students who suffer from disability, mental and physical, and they were being abused by their carers at mm. the school for mm. many years before it was you know, uncovered and it was written to a book and made into a by movie. By Hong j i y o n g and then the, the, the movie, right? Uh, exactly. Hong j i y o n g right? Yes. It, that's right. Um, uh, and one, one of the people um, who was involved in it, uh, you know, He was never actually indicted um, because I think there was insufficient evidence or mm. you know, not enough people sort of coming forward. Um, and then he, he actually died before the police was able to uh, charge him. And obviously, you know, we have a case where there are only allegations and you know, no conviction. And yet people know that there was something there. And you know, yeah. people feel that there is a, a real sort of you know, um, unfinished business. And those kind of things. And it, that really sort of made me understand why people sort of believe that it's necessary for this website to continue. Uh, because the underlying cause of that is we... are not able to do proper justice in so many of these cases. Uh, One of the reasons is because our uh, sex uh, crimes, uh, the punishment for sex offences are still so lenient, especially compared to um, some of the more advanced countries. And we tend to have this kind of uh, attitude towards um, victims uh, that, you know, if you... come to a settlement, then your sentence will get reduced. Uh, If the offender was under the influence of alcohol, you know, your sentences used to get significantly reduced. Show extreme remorse. Show remorse, uh, write lots of, you know, uh, statements saying how they are sorry, etc. You know, your sentence will will get reduced. And um, you you begin with a very low base to start with, and then you have like so much um, reductions in sentences for these various factors. Um, And Recently, obviously, the, the standards of uh, punishment and jail sentences have lengthened and have become strengthened. But I think there's still, uh, you know, a general feeling that these people are not being punished properly. Yeah, that overwhelming sense that um, sentences and guidelines are lenient and even a cynicism against the judges who inevitably uh, a lot of people feel uh, end up uh, kind of going on the more lenient side of those lenient, lenient uh, sentencing guidelines. Uh, but you, you, you're kind of balancing this idea of There is that uh, human nature sense of satisfaction of uh, Batman coming out and saving the day. He's outside the law, but you know he's doing, uh, he's bringing justice to a lot of these criminals that are falling through the cracks. But at the same time, um, there is that kind of kind of slippery slope, right, of, mm. of where it goes. A- absolutely, you're right. You know, so I'm I'm not sort of denying that there is a problem. Uh, the fact that I felt a kind of catharsis, uh, the fact that I believe a lot of people feel that kind of catharsis uh, by seeing this website, by uh, looking uh, at these people who haven't been uh, meted proper justice by the official system, but um, uh, as the, the operator of this website says, you know, do something that they fear the most, which is public disclosure, uh, and essentially sort of, you know, a bit like public shaming of them. But at the same time, as you mentioned, uh, In the first iteration of this website, there were a lot of um, information that was placed on the website that was simply by uh, tip-offs from other people, um, uh, information that hadn't been verified properly. Uh, so a lot of allegations, a lot of kind of finger-pointing, but no real, you know, and the operators hadn't really done anything to uh, check the facts themselves. And so there was a lot right. of wrong information. Now, the second in- iteration Um, So after this case of a university student sort of taking his his own life, 
we don't know exactly whether the cause was uh, this alone or whether he was you know, also suffering from some other issues. Um, but, you know, that has happened and the website actually went offline for a few days. Um, but then it came back on again and uh, the operators say, were saying that this is actually under new management um, <clears throat> and they have actually cleaned up uh, much of the website. So I haven't seen what it was like previously, uh, but certainly uh, the information that I was able to see on the website really dealt with uh, with only the, the convict Uh, criminals mm. um, apart from the one that I specifically mentioned which uh, concerned somebody who's actually passed away so right you know, right yeah. uh, apples to oranges comparison perhaps but a lot of people <laughs> making the idea that uh, this is very similar to bad fathers um, uh, deadbeat dads who uh, uh, for some reason or another are separated or leave their families and are refusing to pay adequate child support to uh, the wife and, and their kids. Is it a similar concept or is there a distinction here? You know, my initial thought was, you know, absolutely not, you know, because the Bad Fathers website was really sort of deal, it's dealing with people who are a, under a very clear legal obligation to mm, pay child mm. support and they're basically flouting the law, right? So um, there is no unvetted tip-offs type of uh, situations here, exactly. right? They're either paying the money or they're not paying right, the money. Right, exa- exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, you know, we talked about the, the, the sort of... Um, Uh, incorrect information and unverified, uh, you know, sort of disclosure. Um, but having said that, this second iteration seems to sort of uh, be addressing that that problem of um, uh, incorrect information. And ultimately, it's basically sort of um, using the same method to try to prevent uh, and warn other people, right? Uh, because the the main thing is trying to not just sort of sense of revenge, but trying to uh, make people not engage in similar similar behavior. And so uh, this kind of public shaming, uh, which it's actually um, a, a great tool when it comes to international law, because there is no proper, you know, police, international police to police behavior of countries. Right. But, and so here, once again, we have a system where the law is there, Um, but it's not being properly enforced or people that feel that uh, whatever the enforcement that the law has done is not adequate. And so we have these kind of, you know, private um, initiatives uh, coming up. So then that brings us to the issue with digital prison that I think kind of uh, leads to the wider context of how um, males feel in this society in this uh, sort of changing dynamic of, of women being more assertive in, uh, in demanding that their rights and, and their, their voices be heard. Let's say, for example, someone like me, I can, I can look at digital prison and go, this is great, you know, name and shame them. All these guys that are, are doing these uh, disgusting things, they need to be brought to justice. And if this uh, site is doing that, then so be it. I don't have to worry about that. I haven't done anything wrong. But then for a lot of people, a lot of males, there's this lingering fear. Um, maybe I have been trying to conduct myself in a proper manner and behave well and, and not uh, cause harm to others. But maybe... there's some nefarious person or person, uh, a person in my past who's vindictive and then does decide to uh, have this smear campaign against me and, and give these kind of false tips. And, and then all of a sudden, I am one of those people who are named and shamed. And I might be innocent of all of that. And, and my reputation is now irrevocably 
ruined, which a lot of people might say is the case of this one uh, university student or maybe even this university professor mm-hmm. who's also been found to have been uh, falsely accused. And it does seem like it, there, there's this sort of one steps forward, two steps back where there's become this kind of growing breeding resentment among, I think, mm-hmm. younger males that uh, the mm-hmm. Me Too movement and all of this has gone too far and we're the ones now being victimized. We're the ones under attack. And it does feel like that cleavage between genders is, if anything, more exacerbated. And I think this really even goes beyond partisan lines, uh, both on the progressive left and uh, the conservative right, right? You are right. And there is certainly a a, a sense of um, sort of victimization among particularly young young men. Uh, It's like a case of the sins of fathers visiting upon their sons Mm. because the younger generation of male uh, in Korean society, as you say, um, they actually have grown up and are experiencing much more um, assertive females you know, in the society. Uh, there is you know, more uh, women going to university. Um, there are more women in the workforce. The marriage rate is you know, way sort of uh, down. Um, and in a sense, you know, males also have to go and serve in the military, which uh, the females don't have to do. And they feel that this is a real kind of imposition on themselves. Um, and so they feel that, you know, uh, they're actually, the playing field is balanced, sort of skewed against them. Yeah. Whereas uh, there is still like so much uh, accusation of, um, uh, you know, uh, this kind of... Um, Uh, anti kind of, you know, feminist um, movement against males. And they're saying, well, this is not us. You know, it might have happened in the the, the former generation, but it's not us. Why are you blaming us, right? Um, So in defense of digital prison, and I really didn't think that I'd be defending the side, it's not just focused on gender because it actually also discloses the information of... um, uh, Sorry, I'm having a a mental blank, but this woman who... Uh, is alleged to have killed her husband and basically sort of, you know, uh, cut him up and disposed of his body. The trial still ongoing. Um, and so uh, the focus is really on heinous crimes where um, the, the accused uh, mm. is, is not sort of uh, being dealt with uh, in a sort of um, just way. Uh, but having said that, it, it is true that most of these sex crimes uh, and uh, these offenses so far have been committed um, mostly by one gender. <laughs> mm. And that's not mm. just in Korea, but also sort of um, many other places so around the world. So it's empirical. Yeah, it, it is okay. empirical. And so the men shouldn't feel that this is just somehow, it's a 50-50 thing, but we're, we're the ones it, being scapegoated. Exactly. By, okay. You know, if you look at some statistics like uh, sexual offenses, uh, 98% of sex, sex offenses are committed by men. Uh, and um, and the victims may be male or female, but it's a, it's, it is mostly female. So uh, there are cer- certain cases where there is definitely sort of you know definite gender uh, issues because just from the facts of the case, um, and whether it's because of hormones, whether it's because of the upbringing, we we don't know. Yeah. But uh, those are the em- empirical uh, evidence that we have. Can you uh, address then the jurisdiction issues of this? Because just like sports gambling websites or other kind of nefarious websites uh, that are uh, offshore based and the IP addresses and everything else is kind of where you can't necessarily do search and seizures uh, with the police and, and their probe into this, this does seem like something that is very difficult for them to actually be able to conduct, right? Right. And I think it was deliberately designed uh, that way. Uh, the 
I read that the very first operator of this website said that, you know, he or she was motivated to set this up because um, uh, they actually had somebody that they knew, either a sister or cousin, who uh, was um, a victim of uh, sexual offence, but the perpetrator was never sort of, you know, um, uh, punished properly. And so the, when you look at the URL of the website, it's actually Nbambang, <laughs> spelled out in, in alphabet, um, with the... Uh, uh, RU as the top-level domain, so me- meaning that it's either hosted in Russia or certainly the, the domain address is a, a Russian one. Um, but I think uh, they were claiming that it's somewhere in Eastern Europe where Korean police won't be able to get at it. Yeah. You know, they, they, those were their words. Um, and the operator, him or herself, was based in South America, or so they claimed. Um, now, I understand that Korean police have approached Interpol to try to get their assistance to um, bring these people to justice. Um, but I did wonder how effective that would be because uh, essentially, you know, the kind of laws that these operators might have breached in Korea would be things like uh, personal uh, privacy law. So, you know, defamation, def- potentially defamation. Yes. Um, but given that these are all factual uh, things and OK, we still do have, um, you know, uh, defamation uh, occurring even where you tell the truth. But. You could, I think there is some ground to argue that this is in public interest. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously there, there can be deba- debate about But the about priority uh, on the t- totem pole would be quite low Absolutely. compared to like They've drug trafficking like, or like uh, uh, People trafficking, or, right, yeah. um, drug smuggling, child pornography. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, priority would be quite low for Interpol. Final question then here, because uh, we had this uh, posed to you last night before the KCC decision actually uh, was made, but it does look like they will allow uh, the site to go on, at least uh, in the Korea context and people logging online. Um, it seems like from what you've been saying, uh, that was probably the, the, the logical decision to make, because if they had banned it, this it would not have stopped necessarily the vigilanteism from um, ceasing. I think that's right. You know, if they had uh, shut down this particular website, then others would have mushroomed uh, in its place. Um, so what we really need to do is to address the underlying cause of it. You know, why are, are these websites uh, popping up? Um and like bad fathers, it's because the official system is not doing its job properly, I think. Um, the fact that we still don't take seriously enough uh, sex offences in our country, um, we, we've only just recently increased the, the age for statutory rape from 12. Can mm. you imagine? 12 to 16. Mm. Um, but uh, we, we don't, you know... For example, news from America, we are used to seeing things, you know, sentences like, you know, 30 years, 40 years being given to these kind of sex offenses, um, yeah. whereas ours is maybe a dozen years at the most. Um, so we really need to kind of strengthen our own system before uh, we sort of, uh, you know, we try to punish these people who are essentially just trying to seek justice. And the silver lining then potentially could be that uh, these sites continue to draw that uh, uh, widespread interest and scrutiny that uh, it does maybe uh, force policymakers uh, eventually uh, to to address this in a legal, uh, very serious way for the legal system ultimately to, to be able to make those positive changes in the long run. 
Right. Uh, and that's what some of the lawmakers are calling for as well. You know, a serious debate about right. uh, sentencing guidelines and also uh, how to prevent recidivism. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that will be the case. Uh, maybe um, next time in the future, uh, we'll talk about Cho d u s u n another uh, kind of tangentially related situation and uh, his uh, imminent release and, uh, and all of the implications of that. Professor Cho, as always, a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your insights and look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you.